0: Hey Hawks fans,
1: Luke Bruce here, CJ here, Jarman here, if you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders, it's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content, written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans, make sure you subscribe, get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox, go Hawks, go Hawks,
0: go Hawks, here from Jarman
2: MP for the Insiders. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, our final edition for 2023 as we put a bow on the year. Um, although in footy terms, the next season has well and truly started. The Hawks have been very industrious at pre-season for more than a month now. I think they shut down yesterday for a few weeks, um, but we will talk about what we have seen at trading so far over the next little while um, as. We uh on the sad day we mark the passing of the late great Franco Cozzo, uh Bulldogs fan, but uh beloved by all and uh it's a sad day if you're a Victorian of a of a certain age, he was a very big part of our lives for a very long time. So uh sad day as I say good evening to my friends and co-hosts. We've nearly got a full complement of uh the Hawks Insider Site, which is great. Uh, firstly, controlling the levers is Danny Prince. Hello, Danny.
3: Ash, good to be with you. Almost, uh, almost didn't get there. This, set up the space, and it kicked me out, and had to reset it up. So glad we could make it in the end, and uh, excited to have a chat tonight. Good to have you here.
2: Good to have everyone on board. It's not exactly uh, peak time to be thinking about footy, even though it's been a bit happening. But we're happy to have everyone on board. Andrew, always hello.
4: Good evening Ash. Good evening everyone. Absolutely feels like just a nice time in, in the week that's winding down to everyone shutting off for the year just to wrap everything up and have another nice little chat. Seems like the perfect time for it. It is
2: always good to talk uh, about the Hawthorne Football Club. Uh, Darren Levine, hello.
1: Hey Ash, uh, coming to you live from Brunswick and great simultaneously. So great a uh, tribute to the great man at the at the front of the show. I uh, will uh, dearly miss him, and at least we have all those incredible commercials on YouTube to, to watch forever.
2: Magali, Magali, Magali. It is uh, a treat. You could lose, waste a lot of time looking at the Franco Cotto ads. They're all the same, really, Darren. I mean, this is uh, you're a creative director. They're all pretty much from the same formula, but they just worked every time. I did,
1: and they probably annoyed a lot of advertising executives in the '90s who spent a lot of money on commercials and didn't get nearly the same cut through. And I'm actually old enough to remember watching them on late night TV in real time, um, and they were just uh, pop culture phenomenon. So, uh, some of the most incredible advertising this country has ever produced.
2: Uh, he was a good man. A good, good man. Uh, and uh, if you want looking for some good holiday reading. Over the next little while, just Google Darren Levine and The Age. We won't say any more. Modesty will prevent Darren from wanting to talk about it, but the author of a wonderful article in The Age in the last couple of days, um, which has an oblique reference to Hawthorne. So uh, if you're looking for some holiday reading, please, we recommend that. And of course, Brad Clabazzi. Hello, Brad.
0: Evening, all.
2: Great to be here for the last show of the year. It's
0: been a great year, and we look ahead to what will hopefully be an exciting 2024
3: for us.
2: Uh good to have you cut short your um, work function to be here. We have some news and I don't think we'll keep anybody waiting for it. We've got some very exciting news that we want to announce off, off the top of the show. Um, but I'm actually going to handball it to the man who's actually making it all happen at this stage. Um, Andrew Weiss, tell the punters uh, some very exciting news that we have in the new year.
4: Thanks, Ash. Uh, Well, yeah, it is very exciting. It's been a long time coming and a long time on the cards, but uh, coming your way in March 2024, Hawks Insiders are going to have their first live panel show. Uh, We're going to be inviting everyone to come along. Um, More information about it will come out in the new year, but in terms Give of a people save, the date, save the date, 13th of March, which is a Wednesday night. It'll be uh, that that's the Wednesday before round one when we play the Bombers. Um, so we will be covering the season ahead. We'll be looking at the game. We'll have some special guests to reminisce. It's just going to be a wonderful opportunity to have all of our um, Hawks Insiders family and community to be able to come together. Um, uh, We're looking at a wonderful location in Hawthorne, a famous location in Hawthorne. So, um, yeah, keep an eye on this space. If you're listening now, pop it in your diary um, because there'll be limited capacity, but it's going to be an unbelievable night.
2: It will be loads of fun. We're very excited about it. Um, Really looking forward to meeting all of you or so many of you. In the flesh, it'll be fun. It'll, we'll be talking. There'll be a recording time and talking time. There'll be plenty of time just to mingle and socialise as well. So uh, we'll have more details as they come to hand. But, yeah, put in your diary, 30th of March, uh, somewhere in Hawthorne. Not Casey's Nightclub, the most famous place in, at all in Hawthorne, but uh, not too far away from there. So that will be loads of fun. And uh, we might put Brad Clebansy in the stocks and you can throw things at him. That might just be one of the attractions on the night. Brad, looking forward to that?
0: Absolutely, come and abuse me. Happy to cop it. Would love to see as many of you there as a possible. CS, looking forward to copying
2: it. it uh, be, it's going to be a great night. It should be loads of fun. Um, so not a, a bit of news around from the footy club. Not loads and loads and loads, but we'll uh, we'll go firstly into the uh, the jumper numbers have been revealed for twenty twenty four, which is the first sort of item out of the Hawks. Um, as we go through it, sort of in the order in which they were handed out. Firstly, number 16 for the Hawks um, is Massimo D'Ambrosio, fresh across from the enemy at Essendon. Um, Danny, your thoughts an appropriate number for him?
3: Yeah, they just love a left-footer in 16, don't they, ever since uh, Nick Reese vacated it. Um, yeah, look, I, I think that's a that's a... ...number. Um, D'Ambresio is impressed from what I've heard and seen uh, of, about pre-season. Um, a lot of the footy players, the Hawks players, talking up his ball use coming out of the back line. So maybe he'll surprise us and earn his way into the team early in 2024. So, yeah, I think uh good, good start. And, yeah, he's lucky to be able to sit next to Dimmer Hardwick and learn from the best.
2: Best number 16 to play for Hawthorne, uh, Brad? Uh, Isaac
3: was pretty good. Ask Darren
2: that question. Oh, lucky, lucky yeah. Bramble, for sure.
0: <laughs> Nick Race.
2: Terry Wallace, Leo Murphy, who's the grandfather of Mark. Um, Lance Wilkinson, Nor Bustle, Andy Gowers, other famous players. Are we forgetting, did Randall Bone wear 16? Oh, my man. <laughs> Brad's man, Randall Bone. Yes, I think he did. Dog Bone. Um, not too many games, I don't think, in the famous number sixteen. But uh, yeah, no, but we're number.
4: talking quality, right? Not yeah. quantity.
2: <laughs> yeah, good, good midfielders number at Hawthorne. Um, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about uh, Dambrosio when we sort of look at uh, some observations out of training. Uh, number eighteen uh, goes to Marbior Choll. Thoughts, Daz?
1: John Set, big John Segler's old number. So very, very big shoes to fill there for Mavio. Um sorry, I'm in a really sarcastic mood tonight. But um yeah, I you know, eighteen seems like the big man number and um looking forward to seeing Marbio out there in uh, whatever number really uh, he he's given and I'm I got a a bit of a glimpse at him at the Christmas training session in the rain and uh, he looked great. He was he was slotting them, he was kicking kicking them beautifully and he looks in incredible Nick. So just excited to see
2: him out there, no matter the number that he's in. Um, so, others, uh, D- Darren Pritchard, probably the most famous number eight in Hawthorne, 211 games. Brent Guerra, 159 games. And big Johnny Segler, 101 games. Uh, others to Wanda uh, It might have been, um, I think, James Bennett, who's now a uh, member of the Melbourne Cricket Club Committee, also wore number 18 at one stage for the maybe, club. maybe as well. The greatest Lloyd to ever play footy, yes. I think, yes. Brad Lloyd wore 18 as well. So, uh, in his time, yeah, it was Brad who played for Hawthorne, yes. Now the head of footy at Carlton. So, uh, we he will go well. Maybe a child, a fresh dimension to that forward line is going to be radically different to anything we have seen for a while at Hawthorne next year. He figures to be a big part of it. We'll talk a bit more about that as we go along. Number 19, a guy from Brisbane called Jack Gunston. Uh, No, made surprise there. They even didn't hand it to anybody last year, which would suggest maybe they had a cutting plan all along. We see uh, tears of uh, joy for you when you you heard that.
4: Yeah, I think as we... Everyone was a bit of a shock when it came up during the trade period, though You know, uh, we seem to think that it might have been in the works for a little bit longer than that. But um, I don't think there was anyone as soon as that got dropped who any Brown and Gold supporter who wanted to see it happen and uh, just happy it got over the line and hasn't looked out of place around Waverley, obviously. So um, it's just a nice... A nice part of the script to watch for next season.
3: They fumbled the ball on his uh, jersey presentation, though, didn't they? They should have... The social media team could have had a field day of him presenting his own jumper to himself. It would have been beautiful.
4: Well, everything, Prinzi. I mean, we didn't really... What have we had? We've had a a two-and-a-half-minute video from him, which was very much towing the line and hasn't necessarily fronted the media, so... I suspect there'll be there'll be a fair bit at some point. Whether it whether it's when he's when he's playing again against Essendon in round one week leading in, we might see a little bit more. But um, yes, it is a curious one in terms of him staying out of the limelight since he's been back.
2: Other famous nineteens for Hawthorne include uh, Alan. Couple, Goat, of,
3: couple th- of players,
2: Alan. Well, well. In your view of the world, Prins, <laughs> the most famous uh, number 90 to Hawthorne were Alan Goad, 138 games, and Bill Pavey, 100 games. And yeah, some bloke called Dunstall played a few games of full forward as well. Is that right? Could, could kick a, a couple of snags, uh, Piggy. It was all right. Danny, recency bias, Prins. Um, now, number 23 caused a bit of dis- debate and discussion. Some people think it should be reserved for uh, key forwards. Other people believe this number should just be given to a guy who is going to be a star, but given the Hawks have let themselves down with a couple of the more recent players who've worn this number, uh, we wait and see. But uh, we would like to think, Brad, that uh, Josh Weddle will wear 23 with distinction.
0: Absolutely. I tweeted the night of. I had a feeling uh, they were going to give it to him. So I tweeted, I'd like to see him uh, get it. And he got uh, the number. I, don't, I just think what we saw from Weddle last year and what we've seen from him this preseason, he's going to do the number 23 in, in uh, Credibly Proud. I think he's got potential to be one of the top 10 best plays in the AFL within the next uh, two years. I just, I think oh. he just has it. Right, can we bookmark, bookmark that one, Des? I, I don't know what it is. I just think he has it. He's got that aura about him. Like, I spoke about it in our group. Guys like Jai and Will Day, who are going to be elite uh, uh, players, I think Weddle is the level above them. I just see him as someone who oozes class, but his presence is going to have him up there as one of the top 10 players in the AFL in two years' time. Just my opinion, it's quite a big call, but I think he's going to be that hybrid player that will be an elite player in any position that he plays.
2: That is a very big statement, Brad. That's what you say. He's going to be the best 10 players in competition to your time. I'm
1: keeping keeping
2: receipts, Brad.
0: Keep uh, receipts. I reckon in, yeah, the, the end of what, so give him 24, 25. I reckon the start of a halfway through 26 he's going to be spoken about as one of the best players in the AFL.
2: You don't want to peak too early because in four years' time it will be pinched by Tasmania. When Tasmania <laughs> come and say we want a list of the best players and competition play for us, and I'll be pinching Josh Weddle if he's that good that quickly. We'll see uh, what happens. I've just got a feeling. Hope you're right. <laughs> no one's hoping you're wrong, Brad. But uh, it's a very big call and uh, unusual call by
3: you, but uh, well done. It's way too positive for Brad. What's uh, going on? He's on holiday mode.
2: He's just come from an office Christmas party, so he's had, probably he's had a couple had of... a few.
0: Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, had a few drinks uh, today, but, yeah, it was, it was a nice day.
2: Um, 26, they've given to Bodie Ryan. It's interesting. I would have thought Bodie Ryan qualifies for the sort of a high number until he proves himself, but he's been given quite a distinguished number at Hawthorne. Uh, what do you think about Matt Weesey?
4: Yeah, I mean... I, I agree. Usually you go a little bit higher, but there are obviously quite a few numbers available. Um, yeah, obviously North Melbourne star Liam Shields won that number and uh, with distinction at our club for quite some time. Um, yeah, I think it also means that if he can prove himself and stay on the list for long enough, he might just end up with one number for his whole career which uh, which is very rare, isn't it?
2: It's interesting that uh, Danny Prince has taken a job working for the Hawthorne comms team because they've talked about the distinguished players of War 26 and Fergus Green and Rodney Oath. I think they're missing someone. Uh, no
3: comment. No comment. <laughs>
2: 27, Will McCabe. Uh, Darren, um, Again, given quite a high number early, but uh, maybe he gets uh, gets that because he's a, he's the son of a gun.
1: That's it. I think they, I think Sammy abandoned that. Um, you know that that way of presenting numbers is that correct? I think um, that may have been a previous tradition that was binned off when he came in. And Ash, you would probably know some plays. In I'm not I'm not the best with numbers. If you couldn't tell already. So, who's the most famous twenty-seven in Hawthorne history?
2: Well, it's listed here on the on the club articles I'm reading from, David Park and Roy Simmons and John Barker are pretty good, uh, uh of players, and Matt Spangler as well, of course. In the 2014, made that number famous as well. So it's been a pretty good group of Premiership players. Roy Simmons very unlucky, um, was the backbone of the club in through the 50s. John Candy, senior's best mate. At Hawthorne, the banjo player at all the club functions, just lost a bit of form, got injured in 1961 and didn't play in the Premiership team despite having done so much work for so long. Uh, I think uh, I think, uh, Reg Poole might have uh, jumped in ahead of him and taken the back pocket spot for the grand final against Footscray. But uh, so i love of the footy club. And John Barker
4: did have a bit to do with this because there, there was the post through socials um before the number jump, before the jumper numbers were revealed with Sammy Mitchell and the whole group of past players chatting about who should be taking their number. So um he would have played I must I haven't looked specifically, but he would have played a little bit with Luke McCabe. So uh what number nice. was Luke
1: McCabe?
4: He seven. was number seven. Um oh but yeah so that that's had a nice little ring to it as well because he was obviously in the room as part of those discussions so nice little connections
1: I, I have to say it's a pretty rubbish number if i'm being honest
4: 27. I,
1: I, I'd, I'd almost go a, a 99 or something just to stand out a bit
4: 27 geez well as ash said i mean david park and is probably enough to just warrant the number being okay, or is that? Is
1: that it's a massively, it's a massively cursed number in pop culture. we see. I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't touch
2: it. Oh, it might be an article coming up in uh, for a summer special. <laughs> no, number thirty-three, Jack Ginnivan. Uh No major surprises there. The number he wore at Collingwood, the number he wore, um, the of the number one by Cyril Rioli, who he. Uh, idolizes and tries to model his game around a little bit. Um, Chris Barlow, and Jeff Angus also wore thirty three. Uh, Danny, he's going to be an excitement machine. That's absolutely the right number for him.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think um, another pivot which I appreciate, just like the twenty three, which you know they tried to sort of put on guys like Cosie and and uh, and Tim O'Brien. Because they were key forwards, I think putting it on a, a guy with serious talent, as opposed to just putting on an indigenous player that you know has just been drafted and might leave in a year, um, I, I'm just excited to see the 33 run around and kick goals on the MCG. So um, it was for me, it was either going to be Ginnivan or Nick Watson. Uh, I had a, a, a little thought that maybe they would put uh, Watson in the 33 again, another small forward. Um, with Bags of Talent, but I'm um, I'm really happy they put it on and I think um I think that's right. I think, you know, the continuity for him, but also the excitement, you watch those thirty threes, uh, in the long sleeve version just absolutely sell like hotcakes.
2: They will be stacking around, you. That's uh that's the view. If, you, if you're into long sleeve jumpers, even apologies to Jabe Sicily, I think um, before too long Jack Gidvan will be outside the captain with the long sleeve jumpers. Cannot wait to see the He's got the the very satisfied look on his face, holding up the jumper in the photo on the club website. Number 34 is the wizard, Nick Watson. The number worn by John Kenny Jr., Bruce Stevenson, Brent Renoff to name three. Mark Graham. Mark Graham. Yeah, I was going to say Mark Graham. That's Mark Graham off the club. The club are hopeless. this is this is a poorly written article. They should be really outsourcing this sort of stuff to Hawks and Siders to, to nail it properly. Uh, Brad, 34, Nick Watson? Yeah, uh, similar to
0: uh, Ginovin. I think a lot of 34s are going to be sold. The merchandise store is going to be very, very busy. So it will be exciting to see him out on the MCG early on in the season. I think we're going to see a lot of young kids with the number 34 on their back definitely uh, next season and probably for the next couple of seasons. I think he'll make that number his own.
2: And 35 goes to Cal Shadier. Um 13, the jumper that his father wore uh, to in, winning North with yeah. medal is uh, now superbly worn by Dylan Moore. There'd been some talk that would Dylan Moore, being the super clubman he is, would hand over the jumper. But I think this is probably the right outcome to, war- to wear the jumper worn by the one and only uh Adrian cox uh we see
4: well when you talk about uh cult heroes uh yeah and we we've obviously just spoken about John Barker but his recollection of the uh, uh the cox and smoking story which if you if you wind back and listen to Barker talk on the Golden Years pod, um, was just sensational. Yep, 35, Adrian Cox. Uh, I'm not sure anyone. Oh, Shannon Gibson gave it a red hot go, didn't he? But uh, I'm not sure anyone's going to really, really do, do the number justice.
2: Jamie Morrissey, The Freak, War 35. Kevin Ablett, War 35. His brief sojourn as Jeff Ablett, as the younger brother of Jeff and the older brother of Gary. So there's a little bit more history for you. But we always say. James Morrissey could play. James Morrissey could certainly play. Um, so we wish them well in their new jumpers for season 2024. Since you have the jumpers, numbers all dropped very early now. Nice and, and tied to make the AFL record season guide. So we thank the all the clubs, including the Hawks, for that. Um, now, Hawthorne have been training for about a month. Um, some of you have been at the sessions, uh, watching bits and pieces. We can glean lots of information. Um, if anybody has been to training and wants to jump on with observation, Mick, I know you've been there, so uh, if you want to jump on and um, take part in this, we'd love to have your input as well. Oof. The early takeaway I have from training and having not having been is that uh, he's is uh, Dimmer Hardwick, Blake Hardwick, doing a lot of time in the forward line? What w- We discussed it very briefly uh last space, but we weren't sure the reason. They're still sticking out at three, four weeks later. Do we have any input as to why that is?
4: Yeah, well, it might be worth... Uh, so Mick has jumped on as a speaker, and um, people may have read his article summing up uh, a lot of what's happened in the pre-season, having been to lots of sessions. It was... Wonderful, Mick, to meet up with you at Waverly last week, at the start of last week, so right, Banjul Bagara. So, um, yeah, maybe you can start with your thoughts on, on Ash's question because you addressed that in, in your piece.
5: Yeah, yeah, it was good to catch up with you. We see you've taken WWW to a new level. That is working from Waverley <laughs> rather than working from home. You, know. you did well. Um,
4: yeah, no... Nice little excuse to <coughs> just set up a meeting there and spend the day.
5: Spend the day, very very nice. Yeah, the Hardwick thing's been interesting to watch. He, he's definitely played forward, but as I was talking to see, I put in the article when you recruit, you know, Watson, Ginnivan, Chole, Gunston, and you've got Bruce, um, Lewis, McDonald, Moore, etc. How does he get? How does he fit in? Um, and that's been the hardest part of training, to be perfectly honest. Again, I put in the article with Gunston, Choll, um, Reeves and Lewis doing a lot of the alternative program. They haven't been in the main session, so to speak, particularly when they've done some match teams. So the forward liners, in terms of tools, has been Kel Shadir at one end um, and then sort of a, a mixture of midgets at the other end, so to speak. So it's been really hard to get a read on that. Um I don't, I don't see it myself. But again, you know, I'm not getting paid the dollars to, to put the side on the field. Um, one thing I did notice: Hardwick's tank isn't really strong when they're doing the long, the longer runs. So I won't be playing that mid, that forward pushing into the midfield, coming back either. So it'd be a lead-up role, so to speak, if he does play forward. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what others have gleaned along the way, but you know, that's my observation at this point in time. Mick, a question. The season's gonna be
2: upon us before we know it. So far at training, uh um Troll has is yet to do full training. He's easing his way back into it. I imagine he'll be back from the start of January. Gunston has been on restricted time at training as well. They'll get back from train, they'll start training about January eleven and they'll have really eight weeks and they'll lose another week. They have at least another week off between then and the start of the season. Is there enough time for this forward line with a third forward line coach in three years and all these moving new parts. Are you worry that the forward line won't be ready come round one, that the chemistry and the the, the, the it won't quite be there yet?
5: Yeah, well that's that's the issue, Ash. You know, I think my observation is that Lewis is trimmed down. So whether he's as has been sort of spoken about in passing, I think he plays that higher tall leading forward role and Charles stays in the in the square, well, he's done—he's done no leading work with anybody in terms of, um, you know, trying to get a read on, you know, who kicks where and you know which ways he's going to lead. Um, yeah, and Gunston, well, he's got the experience; he's probably got some connection with a few blokes, but again, you know, what's going to be his role? Um, that third forward role that he played, you know, with Ruffett and Franklin, um, it'll be a different dynamic altogether. I think, you know, you got Ginevan. Watson, Bruce, you know, the small forward line, are they going to play small forwards? It is a really, it's going to be an intensive uh, program. One thing I will say is Hickmont is very, um, what's the word, involved in the process, in the, in the coaching, particularly the forwards, but overall as well. He does a lot of the, he does a couple of drills. He, he brought in that drill I referenced in the article. That was one of his creations. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it will be interesting you know, how much match time they can actually get into, you know, how time they can get into blocks too. That's the other thing. Um, yeah, it will be, it will, you know, the start of the season might be a bit slow in that regard, potentially. Yeah, now the other um,
2: people are making, uh, a couple of uh, track watchers have put uh, this out there that um, watching D'Ambrosio play and given that they move so aggressively to get him, they think that he is a walk-up start for round one. The way he distributes the ball is something they actually haven't had. Uh, people are saying they haven't Hawthorne haven't had someone who uses the ball this well out of the back line since Brent Guerra. Um, what have you made of him at training? And uh, um, would you, if you are picking, based on what you've seen, and I know it's a long way to go, do you think he looks like he's the best twenty-three player from the start?
5: He's been a hard one to pick, to be honest. Uh, Ash because until they were wearing numbers, like he was in and out of the alternate group. So he had this knee, his knee's quite heavily strapped. I think it's his left knee. Um, so he he's been a hard one for me to pick out in the without the numbers on the back. Um, in the last two weeks, he's been involved in some match sim. His kicking style looks fantastic. You know, there's no issue about that. He's a stylish left footer. Um, he has missed targets. He has made bad decisions in his execution. So that's why I sort of made that reference in the article. Um, but again, not having played with blokes, you know, you give him an out there. Because the issue then becomes when he plays off halfback, will he have that lockdown role or will he play that, um, you know, to use the American lingo, the quarterback role or the distributor role? Um, where does that lead move? Scrimshaw, um, you know, as we said before, Hardwick. Um, Seamus Mitchell's another one, he's barely, you know, he's, he's had a really uh, modified program as well. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, for me, the jury, I'm not saying he's a walk-up start at this point in time, to be frank, you know, but the you know, happiness be proven wrong in the next two months. It's really
2: hard to work out what the teams will look like, and it, it is early. Sometimes you can more or less pick, And I know a lot of people have done the exercise of picking best 23s, but all we do at the moment is, is guessing. It's so hard to work out. Who, uh, who's in that team, play for round one. And there's so, so many question marks around a lot of places. I mean, what's clear is that there's depth there, but um, who's going to play in round one is um, still a bit unclear. Now, a couple of players I want to throw out. Those who've been trading, uh, Weissie, you've watched a bit. mickey you've watched a bit that people are talking about. The first one is Josh Ward. How's he looking?
4: Oh. Uh, so, Sorry. Go, yeah, go on, Mick.
5: By his size, he physically looks stronger, particularly his upper body. He's been on a lot of inside work stuff. He looks more um, assertive in his in going through the packs and taking on tackles. Um, it'll be, again, how, to, how that's going to fit into the Nash, Newcomb, Warple, Day combination. Um, but, yeah, he's been one of the more impressive ones, I think. I think
4: the other thing that's impressed me about Ward is the sessions where he hasn't necessarily train like at the open day. He just did lap after lap after lap. And same as his running in in the early um, time trials and running stuff was, you know, significantly out front. We know he did a lot of running through the period of time when the players had their break. And um, what I like, Mick, obviously you mentioned his physical development, like I look at someone like Will Day and think about what he looked like a couple of years ago and like his his body's literally already in a couple of years transformed from you know like an 18-year-old kid into into like a man's body and and Josh Ward who did have that you know really thin scrawny frame is already you know halfway through to having a ready made mid frame that of a man ready to go
2: speaking of frames there've been a couple of pictures on the Hawks socials of uh focusing on Will Day's biceps so i think they're very keen to make the point that uh if he grew significantly, if he grew physically stronger uh into last season that uh more of the same this season. I found that interesting. Now Cameron Mackenzie is officially known as Cam McKenzie now. That was an edict the footy club put out to the media recently. So if uh, if you're not sure if you're waxing waning, he's definitely a Cam McKenzie now. How's he looking in his second year?
5: He's got the he's he's probably picked up the quickest in terms of his um, running capacity, I think. The most notice when I say that the most noticeable change, like he is covering the ground a hell of a lot better and quicker than what he did last year, from my I. eye I. anyway. Um, and again, more aggressive. He's he's looked to play a more outside role in the match sim, more wing type role. So whether they're doing, you know, as with Ward, start on the outside then move across in, um, that might be the go. But you know, he does appear to be quicker across the ground and quicker with his decision making too.
2: Uh, a couple more. Um, what What does Watson look like on the track? What, what uh, in match and what sort of things
5: has he been doing? <laughs> the first impressions from the article, <laughs> they were doing this seven on. For those who haven't read it, I'll, I'll retell. It, but yeah, they're doing a seven on seven drill, keepings off, and he's chasing these like. This is the Thursday after they got drafted. So he, Deer, and um, Bodie Ryan were, were training the first session. He's chasing him around like a you know, young puppy. And he finally caught a bloke. I can't. I'd like to say it was Sicily, but I'm not sure. And they just gave him the don't argue, and he just reeled three steps back out of the pack like a like <laughs> a rag doll. And he just thought, okay, it's a big step up. Um, he's got some tricks. There's no doubt about it. He's quite you know he's, he's quick across the ground. He leads well, um, but he's he when he's out there, he just looks so small. And that's my bias there. You know, uh, he's he's just physically. Different to the others, the only bloke that I sometimes get confused with in the rain was O'Sullivan. So he's about that size. He's yeah, but yeah, he's got some tricks. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, sorry. And for here. me,
4: in the t- again the couple of sessions that I've seen, like his disposals, fantastic, and it's just interesting because watching like two full sessions, I would have expected to see or notice Guinea a lot more, but Watson has has stood out. So um yeah, I I feel like if people pre seeing him train just purely as a result of where he was drafted and the hype pre draft were excited, I, I don't see that dying down any anytime soon because uh he looks pretty good when he's got the footy.
2: One report I saw suggested that DGB looks fitter. Uh, What do you guys think?
1: Did you say thinner or
4: fitter? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. He'd want to Uh, Mm be. Nick, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts. I don't think, again, in the couple of sessions that he's made a significant impact. I've seen him... um, I've seen him in a lot of the drills where the ball's kicked up to a ruck, a pair of ruckmen for the ball to be knocked down and then mids to run further down the ground. He's acted as a ruckman in those drills or had to had to defend another ruckman and punch it away and has done okay. But nothing specifically for me that's gone, oh, yeah, he already means business and and looks good. I, I don't know what you think, Mick.
5: Yeah, he's, when they're doing the time trials or the longer running sessions, like he's he's um, hands on hips, and he and he finishes midfield, you know, with the big blokes. But um, when he leads, he leads quickly. You know, that's the thing. So again, a bit like Ginevan. Ginnivan's not the doesn't appear to be a, a strong runner. But when the ball's in play, he's more, um, he's sharper off the mark. But you're right, we see in terms of um, DGB, often yeah, he'll be the tall defender uh, in those drills, knocking it down. Um, and, he, and he holds his own, but he's, he hasn't put on any weight. Now, whether he's got any strength, that hasn't been quite tested because with no Lewis or Choll there to sort of be the um, potential ones to make a measure against to see how he holds them out. Uh, it's been hard to follow. But um, physically, there doesn't seem to be any great maturation in his body.
2: Well, we'll uh, he'll be one of the more intriguing players as the match sim heats up post-Christmas and see where he actually does fit in. That play, it's interesting, I don't want to go through every player, but um, Jack Scrimshaw did a TV interview a couple of weeks back where he more or less admitted that he co- sort of what, a lot of people had suspected and what we'd heard in, in whispers that uh, he wasn't quite fit enough and wasn't putting in the work that the club and the coaching staff expected of him and that the penny, certainly in this interview, would indicate the penny had dropped and he needed to get a bit fitter. Um, what are you seeing? And that's the last one I'll ask about, unless there's any any others you want to talk about. Uh, how's Jack Scrimshaw look? Does he look fitter?
5: Yeah, certainly looking to cover the ground much better. Um... He's not one that's got you know, hands on hips after the running stuff, and he's more than holding his own in that, in that group. And he's actually – he does his running sessions with the taller key, key defender or key forwards that are participating. Um, and he seems to be more vocal in the drills, um, particularly when they're doing – so it's not quite sim, but it's ball movement drills. And he's um, he's got that first receiver, to use another sporting lingo – um, and again, that distributor also goes back to that D'Ambrosio discussion. You know, who's going to have that role coming off half back? It certainly looks like, from what we're seeing, and again,
2: not having been out there myself or anything like that, but uh, the, the, the messaging out of the club in the last week or so has been that um, less of a de- development focus this year. Players are going to be, uh, won't be gifted games like they might have been. So it appears there is genuine competition for spots. And we've talked about this, haven't we, Brad, a couple of times, that um, there would seem to be genuine competition for a lot of spots. Um, Players who played well in large parts last year, such as, say, Seamus Mitchell, would be no walk-up start at all for round one.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned uh, Scrimshaw as well. And here's another one. Um, You know, we know that Hardwick's been training uh, as a forward. Uh, CJ's still to come back. I don't think CJ's going to play in the... First few rounds of the season. Um, Why do you say that? Well, he's off to. He's by all uh, reports he hasn't. Has he been training fully yet?
5: Yeah, he's been the last two weeks. He's actually done the match sim stuff. The first up to that point in time, he was with the um, I call it the rehab group. But the last two weeks, he's been doing everything, Um, and he did some match sim and they played him off a wing uh, in in those um, those short sessions. Yeah, well, Hallelujah, uh, that's
2: where he should be
0: playing. Yeah, absolutely. We spoke about that and there's definitely, there's probably two spots on the wing up for grabs if uh, Amon Ball uh, reports is going to be playing in the half-back line. Uh, Ward spent the back half of last season on a wing, but uh, Mick and other tracker watchers have said he's going to be playing more of an inside role. So I think CJ, if he does play early, will play on the wing. Weddell's uh, the other one, I think, could spend a bit more time up the ground. but And uh, D'Ambrosio as well with his... Uh, a left foot could be a good option there. Like there is probably, if Carl Amon does go to the half back line, both our wing spots are up uh, for grabs. So, um, but the depth that we have is really strong. We've spoken about it. I think it's even stronger than it was last season. There's going to be seriously, you know, a group of quality players who are going to be playing at our uh, Box Hill on a weekly uh, basis. The other one I just wanted to ask, uh, Mikon, uh Ramsden max Ramsen I think he's gonna be one player to watch probably in the second half of next year but I think he can turn out to be a really really good player for us in a role that we need someone to play
5: athletically he's you know the amount of running they do as a across the board is just you know this is where they earn their money you now people say they, are, they they train lightly during the year but geez they do some running this time of year um, and he's is second to Weddle or you know third to Wells in that in that group for a bloke his size, um, yeah it'll be again where does he where does he fit in this will be the issue. Um, Chole, Gunston etc cetera, etc cetera, went through before the second ruck, you know um, and going back to Amon just for a minute Brad, um, he's barely participated in the main group like he's been in and out a hell of a lot been out a hell of a lot more than he's been in. Um, which has been an interesting thing too from my perspective, because I don't think he had it I know he had some niggles last year, but he didn't actually have an injury per se. But Ramsden, you know, what where does where does he get a game? Now whether the second half of the year, as you say, development goes, but um, he's been doing a lot of rock contests with uh, Reeves being out. Yeah,
0: um, um, I, yeah, I hopefully see him being with uh, David a hail like position in a couple of years' time. I think Chol's going to start. At this, I think he'll start as that uh, player. Bit he's going to need to perform at the you know uh, the first four or five uh, weeks of the season. Gunston, I think the Gunston role is either him. Yeah, I think Gunston will play it early on. DGB's been training with the uh, defenders. I thought he'd play as a forward, but um, I've been told he's been playing. Yeah, training with uh, the defenders, so I can't see him playing in the first. Month of the season is going to have to earn his spot. He'll play uh, Box Hill because I think the back line's pretty settled. It's whether they play Sam Frost as the second key defender behind uh, James Blank, which probably means Scrimshaw might uh, miss out. A few people might uh, disagree with that. But if Frost does play down back, it'll be interesting to see who doesn't make the final. You know, we'll have to obviously play seven defenders, start with 6 1 on the bench. But, um, yeah, the back line is uh, interesting as well. I wouldn't play Frost, but there's an argument to say that we have to play Frost. We can't go in with only James Blank as the only key uh, defender.
2: All will be, all, all will start to be revealed when they're they, uh, they, they back at training around the th- the week of the, somewhere on the 10th or 11th of January. It's um, One of the smart things AFL has done is, basically mandate an extra week off for the entire industry. So the industry's more, more or less shut down from today. I think Melbourne a couple had their last training sessions today and no one really comes back now. It used to be sort of the first Monday or Tuesday after New Year's, but they pushed that back by a week to give the industry a proper, break, a proper three-week break that everybody really needs. So we'll know more when they resume training. They will play match sim as they do they'll probably be a full if they stick to their routine there'll be a full on intra-club game sometime um in the middle of february they're playing the bulldogs twice uh we see which is interesting uh they're playing them in a match sim at the witten oval um and then about uh, a week later they play them in a sort of the uh nab community challenge game or whatever they're calling it down in tasmania so they're get, get a good look at uh at the Bulldogs over a couple of weeks. But those games will be uh, very illustrative as we watch that one, both on KO and Fox Sports. Well, first one's on KO, second one's on KO and Fox Sports. We'll be able to watch it all unfold.
4: Yeah, it probably makes a lot of sense as well because then, as opposed to, you know, who knows what they end up doing at either. We've seen some adaptations where there's been, you know, a six quarters or obviously your traditional four quarters. But what it does is allow... Both clubs to work out together exactly what they want over both matches, and and then be able to use that to manage players um, and and try things a little bit differently from setups. and that point of view, I, I guess to help each other to get ready for round one. So oh, I see that as being a, a good thing.
2: Certainly, the match sim game, they can do whatever rules they like, and we've we've seen interest in those match sim games where. They've um, put match play scenarios in. I think North Melbourne might have done it in a game last year where they played for 20 minutes and then they sort of put the scores back to, to zero and they played uh, five minutes. So, or there might have been one team was ahead by goal or five points or something and the other team had three minutes where a team had to defend uh, the lead and the other team had to try and score to win the game. That's actually quite good yeah. fun. That's what they do yeah. in the NFL. That When the teams get together for these scrimmages in the preseason, that's exactly what they do. They do all these scenario uh, situations. And that, in a way, is much more interesting to watch in the preseason than just four sort of six 20-minute quarters.
4: Definitely. And, and Mick will tell you, like, they've been doing the same stuff over and over and over again at training. So it'll be good to see how you actually execute that against uh, other teams that don't necessarily have, especially, you know, setting up their defensive structures against you all over the ground that actually know what you're going to be doing. Um, but I think we also saw a was it eight quarters against Collingwood, four with the seniors, four with Box Hill, uh, where we were getting smashed to half time. And uh, did we win? Did we, um, maybe we it was won the that long one. No, I think maybe the but no two Geelong years ago guys hammered Geelong. I was there at GMHBA and we got absolutely hammered. But I think it was yeah, I think it was Collingwood two years ago, literally eight quarters.
2: Yep. Yeah, so um, anyway, it'll be an exciting time for um, the next uh, as they come back. It all comes around very very quickly, and particularly with that uh, opening round, which starts March seven. The football will be with us well and truly before we know it. Uh, Patrick, good evening.
3: I was just going to say, one
2: annoying thing <laughs> I've found about the Tassie deal is it's sort of a, get a bit annoying
0: that we don't have pre-season. Like, <laughs> a pre-season
3: in Melbourne. Like, I know we've got
0: the um, match match sim, but it's like at 11am 11 11 on a Friday, which is probably not easy.
2: So it would be good to like get proper pre-season
1: through again.
2: Uh yeah, but yeah, but uh just think about all the money they make out of Tasmania and you just fly back and uh think about all that as well. So um I no major problem. Pre season football isn't what it used to be. Um it's very much for the uh diehards only. But uh and you get a pretty good uh, view of it all on TV as well. But uh, if you want to see the Hawks in the preseason, they'll wildly advertise the intra-club game as they did last year. And they will also advertise, and, and the, the Bulldogs game certainly will be available to watch on KO. We are going to wrap this up uh, right on nine thirty. So uh, I know that um, the Hawks had their draft um, for the AFLW. A couple of players out of Dennoch Stingrays joining the Hawks next year. I think also they had, uh, they they picked a player in the preseason. There's some sort of allocation even before then, and they picked up a player. Uh, who I think who many thought might have been the best player had had she gone to the draft would have been the first player picked overall. So the Hawks are pretty pleased themselves. Picked up a couple of players from Melbourne. Didn't quite get Libby Birch over the line, which had been strongly rumoured for a while. She went to North Melbourne, which would suggest Darren that the uh, women's football is totally the inverse of the men's football.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm 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 so confused to be honest, but. The, the draft process, the recruit—you know how they get new players in. It's, it's yeah, it's it's really hard to get my, my head around how how it all works. Um, okay, we're going to
2: get things... we'll get sorry, guys, we'll get Liam on the line quickly. Uh, Liam from the Soaring Hawks podcast. Good evening, welcome. You've got two minutes to wrap up the draft for us. Go.
6: I'm over the moon. We just recorded. So tomorrow morning, an episode of Soaring to New Heights will drop and we'll go through it in a bit more detail. Basically, Michaela Williamson was a top 5 to 10 prospect. There was no way she should have slid to pick 17, but she did, and we weren't complaining. She is a tall outside midfielder who can play off half back and even roll forward at times. Uh, really good mover. Broke the 2K time trial record at the Draft Combine. All Australian at the Championships. Super player. Uh, Spreads space incredibly well. So, Patrick, you'll be happy. She'll suit Dingley beautifully. And then Sophie Butterworth, the other draftee, was a big fo- is a big focal point as a key forward. Also from the Dandelion Stingrays, 181 centimetres, contested marking beast. She'll allow Anya McDonough and Bridie Hipwell to roam up the ground a bit more. Um, she was a player I initially mocked to us at 16. Those who don't know, I did a full AFLW mock draft on the Sorenton New Heights socials. You will have seen it took a lot of work. Uh, Michaela Williams and I mocked at 5 and should've, she should have gone top 10. So we got two really good players. Uh, And to answer the question quickly about the pre-signing, we did pre-sign three players. I discussed them on an earlier episode with you guys. Uh, Laura Stone, Jess Vukic, and Hayley McLaughlin. That was an expansion priority signing period. So we drafted two players, pre-signed three, traded in two. Uh, Big off-season, very busy off-season. But overall, I'm elated. Michaela Williamson's a gun. Sophie Butterworth is a star and a perfect fit. Uh, We could not have done better out of pick 17 and 45 in the draft.
2: Who plays round one of the five young girls we've brought
6: in? Laura, uh, Laura Stone, team. definitely. Um, yep. Those who follow our socials will have seen that I was running a campaign to get her for six months. Uh, she is an absolute star. I think she plays round one. Uh, I actually had a crack at the best 21 today. I don't quite think that others do. Michaela Williamson, incredibly stiff. Vukic and McLaughlin, uh, a tad raw. And Butterworth... I'm not 100% sure how much she'll get. In the first year, again, just needs a bit of development time, but she is incredibly strong and has an incredibly high footy IQ. She's really, she's going to be a really good player, but Butterworth, Vukic, and McLaughlin will need a bit of time. Stone is locked, loaded, and ready to go. She was the best on ground for us in a couple of VFLW games. She played six months before her 18th birthday, so she'll be fine. And, yeah, obviously we've got Eliza West and Casey Sheriff coming across from Melbourne who'll play round one as well. Um, and just last question Who's going to be the coach? I don't know I'm on record I've said on Soaring to New Heights A number of times uh, I'd love Sean Bunkle From Port Melbourne VFLW he's, He'd be my number one target
2: Right What about Daniel Harford Who seems to think He's got the job Is that just uh, A bit of media speculation Or would he be in the frame?
6: I'm not sure To be honest I, Again Sean Bunkle Is top of my list By quite some distance he was, He's a terrific coach At Port Melbourne
2: Alright Have you heard any suggestion
6: yeah. he might be Or is this just More wishful thinking? I've, I haven't heard anything um, with any right. kind of authority. I think I saw they were advertising the role as of a couple of days ago, so.
2: Right. Liam, thank you for your contributions to Hawks Insiders throughout the year. Your uh, podcast drops tomorrow with all the, the big news, yeah. the, so, the post so, so, Soaring to
6: new heights wherever you get your podcasts. Soaring to new heights wherever you get podcasts. Hawthorne AFLW, okay. impartiality, non-existent.
2: <laughs> as we like it. Thanks, mate. Have a good Christmas. And to you. Um, now. Before we finish up, I uh, just want to go around the panel very quickly. Um, your, we we are wrapping as we said we're putting a bow on the year. I just want to get your when you're uh, in 15, 20 years time when you're bouncing your your grandchildren on your knees and they tell tell us what it was like. What was twenty twenty three like, uh, uh, Grandpa? What was it like for the Hawks? What's your takeaway out of twenty twenty three? Now that uh, how do you, think you reflect back on on this season? as a whole, for everything that happened to Hawthorne on and off the field, starting with you, Danny. Uh,
3: Sticking to theme, uh, Will Day became a pretty decent player in 2023. So um, there you go. I uh, I actually think we saw this year the emergence of Will Day. uh, And I think um, I'll go a step ahead of Brad. I think um, Will actually has the sort of, limitless potential where we could see him as a top 10 player in the afl at some stage in his career and um i'm not going to put a timeline on that but i feel like he's got a couple of gears to to get to that he ha- that we haven't seen yet and um yeah really excited to be uh along the journey with will um as part of the hawks insiders sort of uh, family larger family and i, I think he uh he, he's going to go levels. And I think we saw a, a real emergence in 2023.
2: Hopefully he'll be part of the family in 2024.
3: He- uh For me, it'll
4: be that, and it's probably an offshoot of, you know, the success of the three-peat not being all that long ago. I can't ever remember an in, as enjoyable a season where the expectation going into the season um, was one knowing that we would not be very good in terms of wins and losses. So knowing that, but still being able to actually enjoy week on week, watching the development of the players, watching the group come together, getting right behind Sammy Mitchell and, and, and coming through the other end with, you know, still an expectation that we may be no good next year, but having made clear strides to winning the next flag and we'll be talking to them about that next flag at the same time. So that'll make it even more enjoyable. Does
1: Oh, you know, to follow on from what Danny said, um, got to be being at the best and fairest and will Day when he's first and I'll cherish that memory and cherish Uh, the time spent with uh, some of the boys on this podcast and then also our wonderful community. So that will be the thing that I'll probably remember from this season, even though I've got an absolutely terrible memory and um, can't even tell you what I did last year at this time. So, um, But, yeah, that best and fairest will live long in the memory, I think. And, um, you know, I think we all saw the arrival of Wheel Day in a massive way.
0: Brad? Yeah, similar to all of the uh, the other boys, I thought this year to finish in the bottom four, it's not often uh, you can say it was an exciting, you know, year uh, to watch. I loved it. Um, you know, my thoughts in uh, recent seasons, but I compare 2023 to, you know, 2020, 21, 22. I loved this season. I think 24 is going to be similar. Um, you know, we're a good chance to win eight to 10 games and again, finish in the bottom four or five. But I've spoken about this a lot of times. We will not play finals next year, but I think in 2025 is when we're going to start to make our way up uh, the ladder and really fast. I've still got 2026 is the year where we next play finals. I hope it's 2025, but this year finishing in the bottom four, we beat both teams who made uh, the grand final. We, lost three games that we should have won. Uh could easily have won ten games. So I'll look back at we'll look back at twenty twenty three as I believe the year, hopefully our next dynasty uh began. So um yeah, twenty twenty four I think will be similar, but even better. I think we'll win um we should win I reckon nine to ten games next year.
2: I enjoyed the narrative around Hawthorne changing and uh, through the lens of uh my mate Kane Corns who Led the chorus at the start of the year, I mean, and and not at the silly demo levels, but just the, what are they doing there? Oh, I've got no confidence. This is a team that is just not built for success or for any sort of uh, success at all in 2023. And just to see how the narrative led by and he's one of the most influential agenda setters in the game. The narrative around Hawthorne I said was one always as I said one notable exception. The narrative changed around Hawthorne over the course of the year. By the end of the season it was generally accepted it was actually, as we've all said, it was a pretty good season. And for those of us who said at the start of the year they're not as bad as everyone thinks they're gonna be, um, and to to and to not be believed and after round two, perhaps with, with good reason, but then by the end of the season to people actually say, you know they're actually really really building something, I think there's a lot of satisfaction for, for Hawthorne supporters and the true believers amongst the Hawthorne supporters, how that will change That's my narrative. That's what I will remember most out of the year, To see that uh, they won some respect and started to build some excitement for, for next season. I think, like most people, I'm really looking forward to seeing what unfolds next season. Um, so we're going to finish off here. I just want to thank everybody for their support of Hawks and once again over the course of the season um we love the community we're really going to enjoy march 13 when we do our first live show at a venue in hawthorne to be confirmed it'll be a great night please diarise it please make every effort to get there and uh we'll really enjoy having a, a chat to you and doing some Sort of it won't be a space, but it'll be a sort of a, a big podcast record, and then perhaps uh, hang around for a couple of quiet uh, beers afterwards, and to chat to you all. It'll be a wonderful night. So we're really looking forward. We're so excited to to plan that and bring that to you on the night. That'll be a load of fun. In the meantime, we want to wish you all for those that do, as most of you who are on this podcast are wish you a very merry Christmas. Have a great time, a great uh, uh, holiday period with your family. Um, Lots of great Hawthorne matches on KO to watch if you get bored when the cricket ends after two and a half days. Do what I did the other day and watch the last quarter of the Brisbane game. It was uh, very, very therapeutic. Um, so we have a great break. We probably will be back the unless there's breaking news and hopefully there won't be and something that commands our attention. We will be back probably the first Wednesday after the Australian Open Tennis Men's Final Whenever that is, um, don't have the calendar in front of me, but we'll uh, take most of January off. We have some uh, stories in the substack we will drop. We've all got homework to write at least one story for the substack in the next little while, so the stories will drop in the next few weeks. You keep using the substack for a bit of Hawthorne reading, but the spaces will return, and we're just committed now. It'll be every Wednesday. It'll be Wednesday nights. No more d- dicking around between Wednesdays and Thursdays, depending on the footy is. Lock it in Wednesday nights for the spaces going into next season. Will see any housekeeping before I've got, before we go?
4: No, that's pretty much it. Keep an eye on the stack uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, again, just in terms of the save the date. And I uh, just want to thank you as well, Ash, for leading us so brilliantly as you always do all this season. And, and thanks to all the guys, regular contributors, um, uh, the other insiders and the whole community for, getting around us this year and yeah, really looking forward to doing it all again in 24.
2: Yeah. And a shout out to the Soaring Hawk, uh, Soaring to New Heights guys. And also the Hawk Talk podcast guys are on tonight. We wish you guys well over the break. Looking forward to consuming your excellent Hawthorne content as well in the new year. So that's it for us. Uh, we're going to take a bit of a break. Some would say well learned, some would say uh, not well learned, but uh that's in the eyes of everyone else. Thanks for your support of Hawks and $5 a month. It's a good Christmas present, too, by the way, for the Hawthorne tragedy in your life. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. We're looking forward to 2024. Thanks for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you again in a few weeks. Uh, have a good one. Thanks for joining us.
6: This was another Hawks Insiders
0: production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawform Footy Club
4: coverage.